ECA Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to EcoReport for WFHB I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Brubaker. And for our feature today, we will hear IER reporter Enrique Sands talk about Hoosiers' climate beliefs changing. That's coming up later in the program, but first, here with an environmental news brief is WFHB correspondent Nathaniel Weinsapfel. From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Thursday, July 29th. I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. The Indiana Department of Environmental Management has issued a warning and recommendation to all Hoosiers concerning the recent air quality issues that are resulting from the acres of wildfire out west. Due to the prolonged drought and heat waves, the wildfires have continued to expand over the past month. The smoke and particulate matter from the fires enters the air and moves across the United States and over Bloomington. Citizens should stay alert concerning updates about air quality in Bloomington and the local area. The Biden administration has reversed a Trump-era policy regarding the methods that coal-fired power plants dispose of wastewater that contains chemicals such as arsenic and lead. Multiple power plants in Indiana have sought to sign permits under the Trump-era policies to avoid the harsher regulations that will soon be the law. The Biden administration believes that these policies will improve water quality and prevent dangerous pollutants from contaminating our rivers, lakes, and streams. The Indiana Department of Natural Resources has identified a new invasive species found for the first time in the state. This species, called the spotted lanternfly, is a plant hopper insect that causes serious damage to vineyards and orchards when feeding which can result in the death of the plant. In addition, the insects excrete a sugary substance that attracts black mold, which can cause further damage. The spotted lanternfly has an identifiable bright red and spotted coloring on its wings. The Indiana DNR is asking for citizens to report any sighting of the species to their email depp at dnr.in.gov. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinsaffel. And now, your environmental headlines. U.S. Senate Democrats have proposed a clean energy standard that calls for getting the country's electricity by 2035 from sources that don't emit or can capture their greenhouse gases. But that could be a tall order for the state like Indiana. Right now, Indiana only gets 9% of its energy from sources like wind and solar. 
David Koniski is a professor at the O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs at Indiana University. Though the state expects to see nine coal plant closures in the next decade, Koniski says that some utilities plan to replace them with natural gas, and it will take strong policy to get them to change their minds. He said the Democrats' clean energy plan is the first national policy that mirrors what's needed to meet the challenge of climate change. Quote, the reason why the proposal is so ambitious is that we have been slow to react to climate change historically, right? End quote, Koniski <clears throat> said. A senator who helped craft the standard said there would likely be a role for natural gas plants to capture their carbon emissions and store them underground. But Koniski said it's not a well-established technology and hasn't been proven to work on a large scale. If underground storage does not work, then the most likely outcome is that Indiana will not achieve zero carbon emissions. Several studies have found that Indiana could convert completely to wind and solar. The problem is the legislature is still putting barriers in front of those technologies. Researchers have found in everyday products almost 300 chemicals linked to hormones that contribute to breast cancer. The study, published in Environmental Health Perspectives, found that 219 of the chemicals had not been identified previously as potential carcinogens. Among those chemicals are a pesticide, a fungicide, and a hair dye ingredient. Though it's well known that elevated levels of the hormones estrogen and progesterone are associated with breast cancer, Safety screening to test U.S. consumer products rarely examines how chemicals affect the production of those hormones. Toxicologists commonly study how a chemical mimics estrogen, but until now they haven't spent much time on whether chemicals could actually cause cells to produce more of the hormones. Laura Vandenberg, Associate Professor of Environmental Health and Sciences at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, who didn't take part in the study, observed, quote, my worry is that women's health always gets sort of short shrift, and there's a little bit of an attitude of breast cancer as a disease of the old, and therefore it's not a priority for regulatory agencies, end quote. The Indiana Environmental Reporter says that federal <coughs> officials said the powerful voice of Hoosiers and other Midwesterners will be key to fulfilling the Biden administration's climate strategy. Senior administration officials from various agencies spoke at the virtual Midwest Climate Summit July 19th about the actions the federal government was taking to reduce the U.S.'s future contribution to climate change and what role the Midwest would play in ensuring the climate strategy's success. President Biden made battling climate change a key part of his agenda. Beginning on his first day in office, he issued executive orders that overturned several environmental executive actions from the previous administration and directed federal agencies to place the climate crisis at the center of U.S. foreign policy and national security. Biden then set the U.S. on a course to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. by up to 52 percent by 2030 and to make electricity generation carbon-free by 2035. The officials who spoke at the summit agreed that the Midwest was currently an important part of the climate change problem and was also crucial to shaping the nation's clean energy future. One issue regarding the success or failure of carrying out this agenda is the legislatures in the Midwest, 
most favor using fossil fuels rather than renewables. The Washington Post reported that the Environmental Protection Agency announced it will set stricter requirements for how coal-fired power plants dispose of wastewater full of arsenic, lead, and mercury, a major source of toxic water pollution in rivers, lakes, and streams near electric generators across the country, from Wyoming to Pennsylvania. President Biden's team is aiming to undo one of the Trump administration's major regulatory rollbacks. Last year, the Trump EPA weakened rules forcing many coal plants to treat wastewater with modern filtration methods and other technology before it reached waterways that provide drinking water for thousands of Americans. Quote, what we found is that the Trump administration's 2020 rule really is lacking, end quote. Radhita Fox, the EPA's top water official, said in a recent interview. The power plant wastewater rule is among dozens of Trump administration rollbacks the Biden team is seeking to reverse in its effort to tackle climate change and reduce pollution that often overburdens the poorest communities in the United States. The EPA has hired over 500 new employees since President Biden took office, helping to replenish its battered ranks, which stand at a 34-year low. U.S. cargo ships are a little-known source of carbon emissions and other pollutants. Fifteen companies, including Walmart, Ikea, and Amazon, are responsible for millions of tons of pollution from importing goods. A new report by Pacific Environment and Stand.Earth reveals that about 50,000 ships circulate about 80% of global trade, and the cargo volume could grow as much as 130% by 2050. The industry is expanding rapidly as Amazon's business grows and ordering online becomes more widely available around the world. Cargo ships burn so-called bunker fuel, which is extremely dirty and inexpensive and releases loads of pollutants. Shipping goods by boat is responsible for an estimated 10 to 15 percent of the planet's sulfur oxide and nitrous oxide emissions and is responsible for 2.2 percent of global carbon emissions. Walmart, the leading polluter of the 15 companies, caused over 3 million metric tons of carbon dioxide to be released from shipping in 2019 alone. That's approximately the emissions from one coal plant. Walmart, Target, and a furniture chain called Ashley Home Store produced more sulfur dioxide and particulate matter than the largest power plant sources of those emissions in the U.S. In total, those 15 companies produced as much nitrous oxide, a key component of smog, as 27.4 million cars. In Napa Valley, the lush heartland of America's high-end wine industry, climate change is spelling calamity not outwardly. On the main road running through the small town of St. Helena, tourists still stream into wineries with exquisitely appointed tasting rooms. But drive off the main road and the vineyards that made this valley famous, where the mix of soil, temperature patterns, and rainfall used to be just right, are now surrounded by burned-out landscapes, dwindling water supplies, and increasingly nervous winemakers, bracing for things to get worse. Napa boasts some of the country's most expensive farmland, selling for as much as $1 million per acre. A ton of grapes fetches two to four times as much here as anywhere else in California. If there is any nook of American agriculture 
with both the means and incentive to outwit climate change, it is here. But so far, the experience of winemakers here demonstrates the limits of adapting to a warming planet. Quote, if the heat and drought trends worsen, we're probably out of business, unquote, said Cyril Chapelet, president of Chapelet Winery, which has been operating for more than half a century. Quote, all of us are out of business, unquote. The fires can ruin grape crops even if they occur miles from the vineyard. As early as 2008, smoke from nearby fires reached grapes for the first time. The harvest went on as usual. Months later, after the wine had aged but before it was bottled, a tasting noticed something was wrong. They didn't like the way the reds were tasting. Eventually, it was determined that smoke had penetrated the skin of the grapes to affect the taste. What winemakers came to call quote, smoke taint, now menaces Napa's wine industry. Quote, the problem with the fires is that they don't have to be anywhere near us, unquote, one vintner said. Smoke from distant fires can waft long distances, and there is no way a grower can prevent it. Smoke is a threat primarily to reds, whose skins provide the wine's color. Reds must also stay on the vine longer, often into October, leaving them more exposed to fires that usually peak in early fall. The challenges of California also affect Indiana vintners. Truckloads of grape juice are brought into the state for fermentation and bottling. Indigenous peoples and allies are transporting a 25-foot, 5,000-pound totem pole from Washington State to Washington, D.C., stopping at sacred sites along the way to call for immediate action to protect those lands. The House of Tears Carvers of the Lumi Nation, who crafted the totem pole, is leading the journey, called the Red Road to D.C. For the House of Tears Carvers, totem poles are more than masterful works of art. They're a medium for storytelling, raising consciousness, and healing. The group of artisans from the Lumi Nation, one of the original inhabitants of the Pacific Northwest, has hauled its works of art around the country for years to unite communities around issues of local and national concern. The journey is a national two-week tour that began on July 14th. Along the way, the House of Tears Carvers are stopping with the totem pole at numerous sites sacred to indigenous peoples, including Standing Rock, North Dakota, where indigenous people led the fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline and White Earth, Minnesota, where indigenous people are leading the fight to stop the Line 3 pipeline. The goal of the Red Road to D.C. is to protect those sacred sites from the existential threats of the climate crisis and extractive industries, and to ensure that tribal nations have a seat at the table when decisions affecting them are made. Once it reaches D.C., the totem pole will be displayed outside the National Museum of the American Indian. Indigenous water protectors and land defenders and their allies in Minnesota are celebrating what they described as a huge legal win in their fight to stop the Canadian company Enbridge from building the Line 3 pipeline. A Minnesota court ordered police in Hubbard County to stop blockading access to the Ginny Collective's camp, where anti-pipeline activists have been organizing opposition to the multi-billion dollar climate-destroying tar sands project. The ruling came less than a week after two water protectors, Tara Hauska and Winona LaDuc, filed for a temporary restraining order against Hubbard County Sheriff Corey Alks 
and the local land commissioner in northern Minnesota. Last month, Alks illegally blockaded a 90-year-old driveway that's the only way to enter and leave the camp. Police officers also cited and arrested people who attempted to use the driveway to travel to and from the camp, some of them delivering food, water, and other critical supplies. Enbridge has paid the sheriff's departments in the area over $1 million to repress the pipeline's opponents, thereby privatizing Minnesota's public police forces. Line 3 opponents pledged to seek a permanent injunction to protect the constitutional rights of water protectors and land defenders. According to the New York Times, portions of the Amazon rainforest are now emitting more carbon dioxide than they absorb, a troubling sign for the fight against climate change, a new study suggests. Deforestation and accelerating warming trend have contributed to change in the carbon balance, which is most severe in the southeastern region of the Amazon, where there are both rising temperatures and reduced rainfall in the dry season. The most effective regions have warmed by 4.5 degrees Fahrenheit during the dry season in the last 40 years, comparable to the changes seen in the rapidly warming Arctic. The Amazon region, home to the planet's largest tropical forest, has served as an important absorber of carbon dioxide. Changing weather patterns have reduced its effectiveness as a buffer for climate change, and the conditions may be pushed even more by global warming, with still more carbon dioxide being released. Quote, this is a negative loop, end quote, said Luciana Vani Gatti, a scientist at Brazil's National Institute for Space Research and an author of the paper, which was published in the journal Nature. And now, for our feature today, we will hear IER reporter Enrique Sanz talk about Hoosiers' climate beliefs changing. Hectic, sad, challenging, frustrating. How was your 2020? The details were different for everyone, but it's safe to say the year was, let's say, very complex. In a new Indiana University survey, a large majority of Hoosiers said 2020 was difficult for them and that they expect the next decade to present similar life-altering complications. According to results of the IU Environmental Resilience Institute's Hoosier Life Survey 2.0, a majority of Hoosier households said they expect their families to be harmed by another major disease outbreak, extreme weather caused by climate change, or an economic crisis within the next decade. This is IU sociologist Matt Hauser, who was co-leader of the study. In 2020, we had a bunch of these weeks where like decades happened. Crazy social change or social impacts that kind of like rocked what we felt like, you know, we understood about what it meant to be people or to live or to, you know, commune with one another. Uh, so it was just a, a wild year. As a social scientist, Hauser said he was curious about how the tumultuous year had affected Indiana residents. The research team originally surveyed Hoosiers in 2019, but the world then was significantly different than the one they experienced in 2020 and today. Just in case you were frozen in ice or something, a global pandemic took the lives of more than 600,000 people in the U.S. and nearly 4 million worldwide. The pandemic set off an economic crisis that revealed more inequities as the crisis, which affected most workers, was found to have a disproportionate impact on women, non-white workers, and people with low incomes and less education. The murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer and other police killings of black Americans set off protests and a social justice movement that continues today.
The setting for those events was a world experiencing the hottest year on record, increases in greenhouse gas emissions, a record number of named storms, and many other worsening climate change impacts. The team asked the same Hoosiers about their experiences in 2020 and their expectations for the years ahead. So we just felt like it was really important to follow up on that survey because we had this natural experiment, essentially. We got, we got lucky in many ways because that survey closed right as the pandemic kind of hit the United States and, and Indiana. And so we didn't have any of that influence or at the very least an extremely small uh, level of that influence in the original survey. And so if we followed back up, we knew we would be able to capture you know, all of these different 2020 uh, impacts in people's views. Overall, many Hoosiers reported that 2020 was a difficult year for them. Nearly two thirds of all Hoosiers surveyed, about 64% said their life in 2020 was worse than it was in 2019. Slightly more than a quarter of Hoosiers, or 26%, said life was about the same. About 10% actually said life was better in 2020. Hoosiers also reported that they expect more of the same troubles that were present in 2020 to harm their family the rest of the decade. The last time the researchers asked Hoosiers in 2019, only a small, prescient percentage of Hoosiers, 17%, expected a major disease outbreak would affect their families. That number has risen to 47% in a new survey. More than half of Hoosiers said they believe their family will be affected by extreme weather, a government shutdown, or another economic crisis. Hauser said the pessimistic view of a majority of Hoosiers could be due to more general awareness that these significant risks exist. He said the researchers expected to see a trade-off where people would become more concerned about the events they experienced directly in 2020 in exchange for other more far-out threats like climate change. And we're not seeing that. And it really contradicts quite a bit of the theory and existing research. If, if all of that stuff would have played out uh, based on the predictions, we would have seen a decline in belief in climate change, lower concerns, you know, less overall supportive attitudes about the issue. And that's certainly not what we saw. We saw increases really across the board in terms of people's views and beliefs about climate change, and particularly so amongst uh, people who identified as Republicans. More Hoosiers reported believing climate change was happening in 2020 than 2019, with the percentage jumping from 79% to 84%. The jump includes an 11% increase in climate change belief reported by Hoosiers who identified as Republicans, a party whose leaders have mocked the existence of climate change. In 2019, 61% of Republican Hoosiers said climate change was real. A year later, that number jumped to 72%. Only a small percentage of respondents said they believed climate change and extreme weather were the most important problems facing Indiana today. But large majorities of Hoosiers spanning several generations reported believing climate change would get worse in their lifetime. The finding could mean that more Hoosiers would support action to address climate change in the future. Hauser said he was surprised to learn how capable Hoosiers appear to be of coping with change. We live in a society that struggles to change. Uh, and maybe that's always been true, but it feels particularly true now. Um, and what this data shows is that you know, there's still the capacity for, for Hoosiers and maybe Americans to come to different terms, to come to different beliefs. Whenever we have these big moments in our, in our world, there is certainly some level of going back and reverting to our particular ideological positions and views. But there's also a degree of being dislodged and changing and accepting new perspectives on the world around us. And 
that's hopeful to me because I'm, I'm concerned about climate change. I'm concerned about lots of these different big issues, racial inequality, criminal justice, obviously. All of these things are, are issues for me and, and all of us. But I think if we don't learn how to talk to one another and have reasonable conversations about how we have come to our particular beliefs, we're not going to be able to solve any of these other issues. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at EcoReport, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for EcoReport, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for our events calendar. A live raptor show will take place at Brown County State Park on Saturday, July 31st from 2 to 3 p.m. Meet at the Shelter House outside the Nature Center for a program all about birds of prey. The Indiana Raptor Center will be leading the program and will have a few of their educational raptors with them for you to meet. This is a popular program, so plan to arrive early. Learn all about snakes at the Payne Town State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake on Saturday, July 31st from 8 to 8.45 p.m. Please plan to arrive on time at the Amphitheater Activity Center, where you will learn how snakes use their senses to explore and survive. You will get to meet the snake ambassadors while discussing the similarities and differences between snake and human senses. Spring Mills State Park will be celebrating American Family Day, National Friendship Day, and National Sisters Day on Sunday, August 1st from 11 a.m. to noon with a one-hour hike on the partially rugged Trail 5. Bring your family, friends, or sister for a guided hike with Tony. Meet at the Lakeview Activity Center. The popular Flora Field Day is scheduled for Tuesday, August 3rd from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. at the Pine Grove State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake. This is your way to work on your flora identification skills and practice with a naturalist. You will learn proper use and application of an ID key, which opens the door to identifying thousands of species. Bring Newcomb's Wildflower Guide, if you have it, insect repellent, sun protection, and water. Sign up at http colon backslash backslash bit dot ly flora field august 2021 by july 31st spend the morning observing dove and wood duck banding at goose pond fish and wildlife area on friday august 6th from 9 to 11 a.m you will get to see staff place a small metal band with a unique number onto each captured bird before releasing it this is how biologists calculate population estimates and track movement meet at the visitor center to carpool to banding locations 
Be sure to dress appropriately for the weather and bring water. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Enrique Sands. David Lyman assembled the script, and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly, that's me, compiled our events calendar.